Many of you probably know this, but Chuck and Carla Top will be heading out tomorrow, I think, uh, back to Mexico City. They've been here with us for several uh, months. Unexpectedly, that wasn't their original plan. Um, Tabitha's gotten established in school, and while they were here, as you uh, well know, Chuck was diagnosed with prostate cancer and has undergone treatment and, and has done quite remarkably well. And uh, the doctor's given him a, a green light to head back to Mexico to their home as they continue in their uh, mission work there and the church that's been established. So if you would, just be faithful to pray for them. I know, uh, at least from my perspective, it's been real nice to have you here for an extended part of time. And I know, Chuck, you even mentioned how just that extended time made you guys feel more a part of this church family. You were able to kind of get integrated into the life of this church. And uh, so it's a blessing. We're glad. So let's be praying for Chuck and Carla uh, over the next several days. Uh, I know a lot of people have different opinions about New Year's resolutions. I personally think it's good periodically to just pause and uh, evaluate how you're doing in life and where you want to grow in faithfulness. New Year's is just as good a time as any. Uh, I know there's a group of guys that I'm going to get together with in a few weeks, and we've been meeting for well over 20 years now. And our primary purpose when we get together is just to evaluate how are we doing as a, a husband, as a father, as a follower of, of Christ. Our goal is to make sure that we stay on track, that nobody pulls over and parks, that we are very intentional about passionately pursuing our walk with Christ. And, and we should be no exception to the rule. This should be true for all of us, being intentional about our walk with Christ. Remember, God doesn't want us to drift aimlessly, to be tossed around by every wind of doctrine. How many of you by this time of year have a, a bunch of leaves in your backyard, right? We have a ton of leaves because we have a ton of trees. So our backyard is covered in dead leaves. And those leaves move around more than anything else in our house, more than people, more than pets, because every time the wind blows, those leaves dance all over the place. And we could go sweep off our porch, and an hour later, it's going to look exactly like it did before we swept it. Uh, the thing about it is those leaves are full of motion, but completely void of life. And God says, you are alive in Christ. You are to be intentional and purposeful about how you live your life. Psalm 1 talks about how we are to be like a, a tree firmly planted by streams of living water, that we're not easily moved, that we are stable and purposeful in our walk with Christ. You see, a gospel-centered life doesn't just happen by accident. I don't know if you've figured that out or not, but I certainly have. It has to be purposeful. It has to be intentional. And so this morning, what we're going to do is take a look at what I believe to be four key essential areas to walking faithfully, passionately pursuing a walk with Christ. And as we look at each of these four areas, I'm going to give you a key question. And here's my hope, is that you'll write that down, that you'll take notes as we walk through this, and whether it's now or at other points during the year, that you will revisit these questions, and that you'll be honest with yourself as to how you're doing in these areas about what it means to be intentional and purposeful in your walk with Christ. 
So that's what we're going to do together this morning. And before we open God's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come before you this morning as a family, as a people of your own possession, we want to be purposeful. We want to align our desires with your will. We want to align our purpose with your mission. And we want to be intentional about being faithful in our walk with you. We don't want to be aimless and drift around with every wind that comes along and blows us in a different direction. We want to be strong and stable. And we know that that begins by being purposeful and intentional about centering our heart on you. So as we walk through these things together this morning, help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to be humble. And help us to be intentional about what it means to be faithful in our pursuit of knowing you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So if you picked up a little leaflet this morning, it's not a full bulletin, but on the back you should have a little outline of what we'll walk through together. And you'll notice there that the first key area is faith. And here's the key question. I encourage you to write this down. The key question is this. Do the words of Scripture consistently inform my life? That's the question. Do the words of Scripture consistently inform my life? Now let's turn to Psalm 119 and take a look at what that means. Psalm 119, chapter 9. Do the words of Scripture consistently inform my life? Psalm 119, chapter 9. Look at how explicitly this question is asked and answered in verse, beginning in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. There's the answer. And then he explains that answer. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. You see, a gospel-centered life is a life that is centered on God's Word. It, it looks at Scripture kind of like a, a treasure to be mine, so that no, no matter how long you live or how much you know, you, you never get to the bottom of the richness of the resources of God's Word. And within this passage, within Psalm 119, we kind of get a picture of what it looks like to have a life that is informed by scripture. You'll see in verse 12 that it begins with the desire to learn and grow. The, the psalmist asks the question, Lord, teach me your word. He has a desire to, to learn and grow. In a church like ours, I don't see this as too big of an issue. This is a Bible church, right? So a lot of you have been students of scripture for many years. Most Sundays, I'm not telling you anything that you didn't already know. So our greatest challenge is not necessarily gaining new knowledge. Our greatest challenge is learning to apply what we already know to be true. For example, I know the verse 
that says, consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials. I know what it says. But in the midst of difficulties, sometimes I struggle to find joy. I know the verse that says, be anxious in nothing, but with thanksgiving and prayer and supplication, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I know what it says, but sometimes in the chaos of life, I become anxious, and I struggle to find peace. I know what it says. I'm challenged to learn how to apply it to my life, and something tells me that's probably true for most all of us. It's not a matter of how much we know. It's a matter of applying what we already know to be true. But when we learn to apply the truths of Scripture to everyday life, then we have a story to tell. Look at verse 13. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. See, truth that is experienced becomes a story that needs to be told. We might call it a testimony. My favorite description is a, a story of transformation. You see, I'm convinced that the most impacting words that have been spoken from this pulpit since I've been pastor did not come from me. It came from testimonies like Michael and Amber Park, like Tom and April Katie, like Doug and Kimberly Kennedy. Real people who've experience challenges in real life and apply the truths of God's word and found it to be faithful. Every summer we do a brown bag lunch where women give stories of transformation and that has been one of the most impacting ministries within our church body because those stories matter. You see, you'll know when God's word is informing your life when you have a story to tell. That's how you know. Truths that are experienced are not easily forgotten. Look at verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. How many of you have memorized scripture because of significant events in your life? And when you think of that passage, you immediately go to that event, right? So well over 30 years ago, when I was in high school, I went to a FCA state convention, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and they had ways of helping us memorize Scripture. And they usually put it to some kind of a rhythm. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I remember it like it was yesterday. That was... Well, it was a long time ago, okay? <laughs> but here's what's significant about that. I, I was a new believer at the time. And God placed those words in my heart so that when I came back and began to face the realities of a changing environment, I needed to do something different with the friends I hung out with. There were behaviors in my life that didn't align with my newfound faith. And, and I was easily burdened by the things that I would then encounter. But God had prepared me by placing this passage. And I cannot tell you how many times in my life since that point I've gone back to that verse. And when I think about it in my mind, 
I can't help but sing it like I learned it that day, some 35 plus years ago. It's an amazing reality to how storing God's scripture in your heart makes it come alive in your life. And that's the point. Truth that is experienced is not easily forgotten. See, Psalm 119 gives us a picture of what it looks like when Scripture informs our life. It begins with the desire to learn and grow and a commitment to, to be faithful to apply God's Word to our life. So that is experienced, and then we have a, a story to tell as we apply that truth to our circumstances. So be honest with yourself. Does that describe your experience? Do the words of Scripture consistently inform your life? That's the question. The next area is community. And here's the key question for community. Are you devoted to meaningful relationships within the body of Christ? Are you devoted to meaningful relationships within the body of Christ? Let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to consider that question together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Are you devoted to meaningful relationships within the body of Christ? In Acts 2, 42, we see kind of the, the birth of the church. Uh, Pentecost has taken place and believers are beginning to, to uh, come together within church families. And listen to how it describes the early church in chapter 2, verse 42 of Acts. It says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. No matter where you go within the book of Acts, as the church is being formed, you cannot uh, miss the reality of how believers were committed and devoted to living life together. That word, that phrase, continually devoted, is, is a phrase that is filled with passion. It literally means to continue to do something with intense effort. The point is that they weren't just bringing meals to a family when they had a loved one pass away. These are, pe these are people who are living life together. They're learning together. They're eating together. They're praying together. They're playing together. They are living life together. The gospel-centered life is committed to a life within a fellowship of believers. You see, when God designed the church, He designed us to be interdependent upon each other. We were made for community. You have to go no further than 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just look at that passage, and you'll see how God made us interdependent upon one another. It tells us how God places the members of the body just as He desires, how He equips each and every one of us with gifts and abilities. Why? For the common good of the church as a whole. He uses the body as an, as an illustration to help make his point. And he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. It's impossible because God designed us to be interdependent. So much so that when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. When one of us is hurt, we all hurt. We are deeply connected to one another within the body of Christ. A gospel-centered life is committed to the fellowship of believers. The question is, 
Are you living in accordance with his design? So let me get real practical and talk about what that might look like here at Melanie Park. Now, if you're new to Melanie Park Church and trying to decide if this is a good place for you to make a church home, probably the easiest on-ramp into community at Melanie Park is our Sunday morning ABS, Adult Bible Fellowships. They occur during the first hour of our church service, right before the worship service. There's different kinds of uh, topics being taught. There's different groups. But they really all have the same purpose and intent in mind. And that is for you to be able to get to know people within a smaller group of people that goes beyond the, hi, how are you, on Sunday morning. If you're new to Melanie Park, that's a great place for you to begin. And as you begin to make commitments for the year, maybe that's the first place you start. Be involved in an adult Bible fellowship. Now, for some of you, you've been coming a while, and you may feel like this is becoming more of what your church home might be. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to make an effort to attend our welcome class. Now, our welcome class is it's a no-pressure information time where you get a chance to know who we are as a church family just to be intentional about a commitment that you make to a local body. You see, we do believe that membership matters. And a commitment to a local body is a reflection of your devotion to Jesus Christ. And we want you to be fully committed to a body of believers. And if this is your church home, we want you to take that seriously. And as you do, we believe that the best possible way to get involved into community at Melanie Park Church is through a small group. That's where we feel like Acts 2.42 is best lived out. A small group of people that you are devoted to time together. You're going to live together. You're going to learn together. You're going to eat together. You're going to pray together. You're going to have fun together. It's that small group where you really begin to live life in deeply connected fellowship with other believers. And if you are a part of this church family, we strongly urge you to be involved in a small group. And so maybe that's where you start this new year, is saying, that I need to make a commitment to be involved in a small group in some way. And if that's the case, you let us know, and we will find a place for you to plug in, because we believe it's important. So the question is this, are you devoted to meaningful relationships within the body of Christ, and how is that being lived out? Because your commitment to the local body is a reflection of your devotion to Jesus Christ. So another area, service. And here's the question, are you investing in a life of ministry? Are you investing in a life of ministry? As I think about this one, I think this may be the hardest one because we live in a consumer-driven culture. Very often, our first question is not, what can I do for you? It's, what's in it for me, right? We see that even as we begin to look for a church. You know, do I connect with the pastor? Am I moved by the music? Do they have a children's and youth ministry that my kids enjoy? Those are not bad questions, but I'm not so sure that those should be our first questions, at at least not from a gospel-centered perspective. In fact, turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 45. Mark chapter 10, 
verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I, my suggestion to you is this. The very first question for a gospel-centered life is this. How can I serve? How can I serve? Look no further than the life of Jesus Christ because if there was anyone who had the right to be served, it was him. As the creator of all things, he had absolute authority. And we see that being played out in his life and ministry. His authority over disease, his authority over sickness, his authority over demons, his authority over nature, to the point that the disciples would ask, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey? But instead of us demanding to pay him the respect that he deserves, he took the punishment that we deserve. He became a ransom by shedding his blood for the forgiveness of sins. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So if we want to live a gospel-centered life, our primary question is, how can I serve? We see that with Jesus, that question is not always an easy question because service often comes with sacrifice, right? Right? And this is difficult for us many times because we are people of comfort, which means we can fall into some pretty predictable patterns. For example, if I were to say we're going to have an opportunity in the next few weeks, which we will, to serve at Lubbock Impact, to serve some of the needy in our community, and there's going to be a sign-up sheet in the foyer, I could tell you 95% of the names on that list without even looking. The same people. I could tell you without even looking, the people who will likely serve in our children's and youth ministry. The same people, very often, year after year. Now, it's easy for us to hear that and say, well, yeah, but, but you know, I'm not gifted in that way. <laughs> gifted in that way. That's the Christian excuse for it. I don't feel comfortable with that, right? But let me let you in on a really important secret, okay? Listen closely. You ready? Some of the greatest rewards that you will ever experience in your life are in the places where you are least comfortable. Okay? Jan and Linda Whitaker. A little over a year ago, we had uh, our first opportunity to be involved in hosting international students. Jan and Linda Whitaker were the poster children for the most reluctant people to be involved. Okay? <laughs> they will tell you that they were very uncomfortable with the idea. It was way outside of their comfort zone. It really disrupted their routine. It was inconvenient because they live out in Ransom Canyon and this was, this was, this was not going to be good. But yet they will tell you today that there may be very few rewards in their lifetime that they can look at and be more meaningful than the opportunity that they had to get to know Shawa, to see her come to faith, and to be a part of their family. So that this Christmas, guess who spent time with them as a part of their family? Shawa. Because she's a sister in Christ. And she's a part of their family. And there is no greater reward. And so let me encourage you to take steps of faith. Peter had no idea he could walk on water until he was willing to get out of the boat.
very often we are missing out on some of the greatest rewards that God has because we're unwilling to get out of the boat. It's uncomfortable. We're not sure it's going to work. But maybe as you begin to make commitments for the new year, this is the place you make a new commitment. To step out of your comfort zone, to get out of the boat. Because sometimes our spiritual growth is dependent upon our willingness to be uncomfortable. Remember, the primary, the primary question for a gospel-centered life is how can I serve? Let's talk about the last area, discipleship. Discipleship. Here's the question. Are you helping others pursue a relationship with Christ? Are you helping others pursue a relationship with Christ? Now, there's a ton of ways that we could look at this question, but I want to begin with parents because this begins in your home. That's your primary mission field. You're not just raising kids. You are making disciples. That's the goal. And really, we all have a part to play in that. That's why we have written on our wall out in the foyer that our goal is to partner with parents to raise up the next generation of Christian disciples. We all have a part to play because we are a family. That's why when we do baptisms around here, one of the things that you'll hear, in addition to somebody publicly professing their faith in Christ, is you're going to hear a commitment from the church body to walk alongside that person to help them grow in their faith. That's what we do when we are a family. We all have a part to play. That's why Paul tells the Ephesians that the purpose of the church is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. It's just another way of saying our goal is to make disciples. Psalm 145 says, One generation shall praise your works to another. They eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, and they make known your mighty acts. And the echo of that praise that begins within the church then goes out into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our schools, into the uttermost parts of the earth. But it has to begin here and then continue from here. Let's look at a passage together. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. This is early in the letter of Paul's uh, writing to the Colossians. And he says, beginning in verse 25, Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And here it is. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As a servant of Jesus Christ, Paul saw himself as the one who was called to teach the word of God to the people of God. And he proclaimed a mystery that he says was hidden up until that point, but then now has been made known. And that mystery that has been made known is Christ in you, the hope 
of glory. His point is that the very same power that raised Christ from the dead is now present in you. That Jesus came and took on flesh and dwelled among us so that by his spirit he may dwell within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when we live out of this reality, we cannot help but impact those around us. Christ in you is seen through you, how you live, what you say. It is his power that transforms marriages, that reconciles relationships and families, overcomes addiction. The glory of God made evident in the people of God who are faithfully walking by the Spirit of God. And God wants us to be intentional about making disciples. Why? Paul tells Timothy, what you've heard from me, entrust to faithful men so that they in turn may teach others. He writes to Titus and he says, instruct the older men to invest in the lives of younger men, to have a legacy of faith. And he goes on and says, and tell the older women to do the same, to invest in the younger women. And we have a beautiful example of what that looks like here at Melanie Park. Yvonne Courtney in her 80s faithfully spends time with two high school students, Macy Tapp and Maggie Jacobs. And Macy and Maggie will tell you, even though they probably only realize only a bit of this, what a treasure that time has become. That's what it looks like. And that example should be repeated over and over again within this church body. Discipleship is an essential ingredient to our walk with Christ. And one of the reasons is it protects us from being too consumed about me by focusing on the life of someone else, considering their needs is more important than my own. So remember the question, are you helping someone else grow in their walk with Christ? So again, as I mentioned, I think it's important to, to take these one at a time, to look at them individually, and to be honest with yourself about how you're doing in each of these areas, but I want you to notice that they are interdependent upon one another. For example, you can't make disciples if you're not being a disciple. You really can't serve if you're not plugged into community. And you can't share God's Word if you're not spending time in God's Word. They are ultimately interdependent upon one another. Faith. Community, service, discipleship, these are vital ingredients to the Christian life. And each one is interdependent upon the others. A gospel-centered life must be intentional. It will not happen by accident. We need to be intentional in order to remain faithful in our walk with Christ. So, take some time. Consider the questions and, and maybe tuck it away in your Bible so that three months from now, you ask yourselves the very same questions to make sure that you're staying on track. And maybe you spend some time with others sharing those things that God has put on your heart as you've thought through these things, honestly, sincerely before the Lord. One of the things that, that I've found to be true is that sometimes when I do this, 
I can get overwhelmed with my list. <laughs> with things that I feel like I need to be doing that I'm not currently doing now, right? And I think that's true for many of us, especially when we find ourselves in difficult situations to become overwhelmed with all the possible places that we could do something, right? So here's the mantra that I've learned to employ in my life and I've shared with others. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Just think of one or two simple things that you can do to grow in faithfulness in order to passionately pursue your walk with Christ. Be commit, committed and convinced that a gospel-centered life will not happen by accident. It is an intentional pursuit. Living in community, making disciples, willingness to serve, and being committed to walking faithfully in your relationship with Christ. So maybe this will be helpful as you begin a new year to consider some of these questions. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, I thank you for the privilege of uh, being together with my family. I've missed them. I'm encouraged and uh, uplifted by just being time, spending time together. Time at your table, time in singing, time in looking at your word. I think probably if we were honest with ourselves, there are things that we've talked about this morning that have hit home uh, in pretty significant ways. Places where we know that we can grow in faithfulness. So I ask that you help us, even as we walk out of the doors of this building, to maintain a commitment of being intentional, to asking those key questions, and then being sincere and honest with ourselves about those answers. And to consider ways that we might just grow in faithfulness to, to do the next right thing. And then help us to do that together. So that we share it with each other and walk alongside one another. As you've intended us to. We were built for community. That was your design. And so help us to be faithful to live within that design. Give us courage to step out of our comfort zones. And really do believe that some of the greatest treasures in life are in places where we feel least comfortable. Help us to get out of the boat. And uh, walk faithfully in pursuit of you. But may we do so by fixing our eyes on you. I think of that example when Peter did step out of the boat and, and began to sink when he looked around him instead of looking at you. May we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. May we be faithful to do the next right thing. We pray this in your name. Amen. Happy New Year. Have a great day. <laughs>